On this episode of Ask Wholesale, we have special guest Colin. What's <laughs> up? And we also got Juan. How's it going, guys? Welcome everyone. This is the Ask Wholesale Show. We appreciate everyone that's been watching and following us on all of these episodes. And today's a special, special episode because we have Colin Corrington here with us with Stop Flipping. Not a wholesaler. Not a wholesaler. <laughs> Not a wholesaler. <laughs> but he's bought deals from wholesalers, so he can give us a little well, I've, hold, I've wholesaled a few, I'll be honest. Yeah, we've wholesaled some houses here and there. There you go. So who are you? What is Stop Flipping? Stop Flipping is uh, it's our education course. Uh, it's an education philosophy that um, to teach people how to do owner financing. That's what we do is we teach people how to do owner financing. It's kind of a little bit of an unknown niche when it comes to real estate investing. And uh, it's extremely profitable. And once I got involved with it, uh, with my partners, Eric and Mike, I'm, I'm actually a teacher. That was a, what I started my adult life as was a teacher. And uh, once I learned about owner financing, I was like, oh, this is how real estate should be done. So uh, I just went out and I'm just my job is to take uh, owner financing to the masses. That's what I do. That's awesome. Uh, if a lot of people have heard about flipping, a lot of people have heard about renting, but owner financing is an awesome strategy, which is kind of the best of both worlds and can be very lucrative if, if you do it the right way. And they show you how to do it, so definitely check them out. You know, so, I thought that was a really deep question you asked, sir, Marco. So who are you, really? <laughs> you know, like. Well, I left it open-ended for him. Either, I left either, it open-ended. Either, either you're really deep or he's in the wrong place. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, you're diving into a <laughs> shallow getting, pool here, man. It's we're not getting, a lot of depth We're getting here. warmed up. We'll see, we'll see what we end up. That's but, funny. All right, let's get into some of the questions. Yeah, so we got some questions uh, asked to us by, uh, you know, Facebook Live videos and whatnot. And one, uh, we chose three of them. Uh, the first question is, what is the best marketing in today's market? Um, I'll let... One of you guys. I'll start and then you all can jump in. All right. Uh, for me, what I always tell people is um, the best marketing is the one that you focus on. So you can go all kinds of different routes. You can do uh, you know, uh, bandit signs. You can do uh, some cold calling. We do a lot of cold calling. Um, you can do driving for dollars, those type of things. Uh, but focusing on one and being uh, kind of mastering it in a sense so that you can generate the leads and working the leads properly is, is what you want to do. You don't want to be the person that, oh, I wrote 20 signs and then I kind of haphazardly put them out and now I'm doing driving for dollars and now I'm doing this. Uh, you, you won't get the consistency that you're looking for. And so that's that. I personally really like cold calling. Um, that's my personality type. I really like to have conversations with people. So I like to get them on the phone, and if I feel I can get somebody on the phone, then I can win them over in some capacity, at least to push them forward into the next conversation. So um, that would be my answer. That that was incredibly wise. I really, <laughs> I, I really like that answer because he's right. I mean, it's whatever you decide to focus on. Um, everybody tries to get 
real new and it's always good to explore new ways to market, but you do want to stay consistent. We're, we're the same way. We like the old, good old fashioned. We don't honestly go out looking for wholesales all day, every day, but we do find some. But when it comes to selling our properties, yeah, I mean, we're bandit signs. We have a team of uh, six salespeople and that's what we teach them every day. You got to put out at least 10 bandit signs. You got to do at least so many drivers. You got to do it every single day. So you got to stay consistent. You got to pick one. You just got to make sure you get it done. But yeah, that was a great answer. Yeah, um, I agree. I I have to. Here I am sounding like an echo. So I, I no, I have to agree because um, I won't you know, go it's first really, next time. It's really yeah, right. <laughs> it's really yeah. You just gave the best answer. But truth is truth. Everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Truth no, is it, truth. It really is just what you what you focus on. Um, you know, you you bring you bring that whatever marketing it is that you like. My personal favorite. Marco says he likes cold calling. I do cold calling, and I have done that, and I've you know I've grown accustomed to. Uh, cold calling on the daily but really my favorite is bandit signs and other wholesalers like using other wholesalers piggybacking off of their deals um i don't uh, to be honest with you i can't stand cold calling i get it done because that's what you know ends up giving me my paydays right but i don't i don't like cold calling it's not my favorite my favorite is bandit signs and other wholesalers you don't like when they yell at you and hang up on you and all <laughs> i don't that. mind getting yelled at i have a girlfriend remember uh, oh, okay. <laughs> no but no uh it's just i don't and a lot of ex-girlfriends so yeah and a lot of ex-girlfriends yeah exactly yeah, gotcha. so but um uh thanks for making me look like don juan over here so but uh yeah it's just whatever you focus on uh that's that's where all your energy is going to go to that's where the energy is going to come back from if you're focusing on bandit signs that's the best way to do it. If you're focusing on uh, mailers, that's the best way to do it. They're all really good. This is, you know, when you first start out, you wanna, you you ask a lot, oh, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to market? What's the best way to handle this kind of seller? What's the, and in reality, it's all just, there is no really best way. It's just wherever you put your energy is where you're gonna thrive. And that's that's pretty much and the yeah, best. Yeah, just staying consistent with it. Yeah. I, I actually really love one of uh, y'all's marketing techniques in your uh, video course that you teach, which is uh, when, after you have the house and then you're trying to sell the house to find a, a buyer for it, doing the 10-10-20 uh, marketing technique. I thought that's solid. Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, 10-10-20. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 10-10-20 marketing for those of y'all that don't have so the course. You're, you're and if a little you need it, stopflipping.com. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, 10-10 marketing is good old fashioned. You got to realize that if you're trying to market directly to the people, you're, you're missing out on so much. It's kind of a network marketing thing. So what we do is we'll make a flyer or a postcard or something like that. And the 10 houses on either side, so if this is our house, the 10 houses to the left, right of it, or your left, the 10 houses the other side of it, and then the 20 houses across the street, because they may have kids or grandpa or somebody that they know that wants to live in that neighborhood. And so what you're doing is you're just utilizing the people that are around you to kind of help you network market this versus just straight up, you know, having to go try and do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, from a wholesaler standpoint, you could totally do that. If you close on a property with a buyer and now they're going to start rehabbing it, go talk to all those neighbors and say, hey, we just sold this house over here. You're going to see a lot of traction. We're going to improve it, make it beautiful again, get a good family in that house. Uh, by the way, if y'all are looking to sell your house, you know, come talk to me. So that's an awesome Or strategy. if you know of anybody that's trying to sell their house. Exactly. Always ask that one question, that one yeah. further deep so you can get that referral. So we dropped some golden nuggets right there. That was, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I hope everybody's taking notes right now. So, <laughs> um, Okay, cool. So the next question. Uh, what, what are the important points buyers look at when assessing a wholesale deal? I would love to hear this. What, as me as a yeah, buyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
so we do we're buying by the way if you are a wholesaler like dm me email me at the crew if you're in san antonio specifically slide into his dm yeah because Don't yeah forget. yeah we got a uh, we're, we're on a mission we got a lot of properties left to buy so they're a big buyer yeah, yeah. big buyers we got a lot of properties left to buy so what are what are we looking at it, it depends on the deal now obviously we're stop flipping we do a lot of uh owner finance deals but we do flip some houses from time to time i think it's important to always have multiple exit strategies don't don't pigeonhole yourself but definitely stick with what you're good at um if you come st stumble across a deal that you really like but it doesn't fit your model you just need to know the rest of it but um what we particularly look for is uh we, we have very specific numbers so the first thing i would say is uh you know, try to be as honest as you possibly can with your comps because we're going to go back and check them anyway. Like I, I have the so good many ones are going to. Yeah, yeah the, the good ones are going to check them. Those anyways. are the people and that are going to be repeat buyers. That, exactly. And, and, and so yeah, that's that's a big thing. Me. So I, we'll, we always get you know the packet and all the information right. and all these comps. And, and if I you know the first time I might let it slide, the second, third time you're sending me these things with these exaggerated comps, I I, I can't. You're going to the bottom of the list because I can't spend my time running comps if I know I can't trust. But you know what I mean? If I feel like they're a little inflated, or you'll just start getting that reputation as a wholesaler, the guy or the girl that the numbers are never right, the, the deals are never good deals so they'll just ignore your deals every time you never want to be in that pool right so that that's a big one for it i mean and, and that goes for all the numbers that you'll present so like if you're rehabbing you know if you've got a rehab estimate in there if that's part of what you do then make sure that rehab estimate is is pretty solid and if i i mean i always feel like and i get it i mean wholesalers are going to overprice the comps they're going to undersell the rehab and try and show you as big as price you can and then the last thing is is uh be they're going to hope that you uh, don't do our homework yeah, yeah. You're, you're a little slower on your homework that day exactly so <laughs> we're going to do our homework uh at least i am you know and all the people that i know right and mike eric you know my partners we're all going to do our homework and we're going to go make sure that house we're going to want to see it you know we would love to take your word for it uh, maybe once we have the relationship pretty deep, but even then it's like, we still got to go look at it. Cause as you know, if you trip up once, you're going to end up losing a lot of money on a deal. So you got to make sure you stay very, you got to do your due diligence. Um, another thing is, is, uh, we, we understand the wholesaling business and we like y'all making money. We do, we get it. You've got to eat too, but try and be a little conservative with that. Cause sometimes I get, I'm like, I know you probably picked that house up for 10,000. You're trying to sell it to me for 55. It's like, you, you give me a little bit to work with here. It's like, you know, I'm like, I don't mind you making money, but to what point? Because my numbers have to make sense. And that's another point for reputation again. Uh, you know, on deals where there's plenty of meat on the bone, hey, maybe that's a scenario in which you can make a bigger fee. But don't be that person that's trying to, you know, pay three months worth of mortgage payments in this deal. I got to make it happen. You don't want to be developing this re this reputation where your fees are always astronomical and you're always pushing the high end you got to make it profitable for the investor the buyer the buyer too and have them make money so that they repeat repeat and buy more deals have that long-term relationship now on the flip side if there is enough room in there for everybody to make a decent amount of money still make your money <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like don't don't you know just don't force a thirty thousand dollar fee but if you if you happen to be able to make 10 or 15 like Go ahead and do it, but like, it's, there's got to be enough room in there. Don't yep. force the ARV to be 250 when it's really 200. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Don't force the rehab to be, uh, you know, 35 when it's really 42. You right. know, don't 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 force those. If it, if it happens and you're able to negotiate it and you're able to get the right rehab, some some are home run deals. Some deals are just knockouts. You know what right. I mean? Um, but yeah, just just don't force that. So. Um, when you assess it you you really want to i think back to the question is what you want to do is you want to look at you want to make sure like uh like he said 
uh, check your comps, make sure your comps are correct. Uh, don't just, if you're picking up a deal from another wholesaler and you're helping co-wholesale the deal, make sure you double check those comps. Don't just, tr you know, trust but always verify. It's one of my favorite sayings. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Have your own numbers, don't use another wholesaler's numbers. Yeah, and, and if you can, if you can, maybe we've developed a, like a rehab sheet. It's, it's not exactly on point the way a contractor would look at it, but it's broken down enough to where we can say, hey, if we think, you know, we'll be conservative enough to where, you know, we'll say, okay, the rehab's 45, we've already done all the math and all this stuff, square footage and all that stuff, and we've uh, sectioned out all the things that you need to rehab, it comes out to $45,000, but we know that contractor might come in at 46, 47. So we know we're about, you know, we're about on point. So w when you're assessing that, make sure your numbers are on point, um, make sure that uh, the rehab, that the rehab is right, and you, you just want to make sure that you're not, um, you also want to, this is kind of weird, but you also don't want to, as a wholesaler, blast out a property that's kind of been shopped around for the past year and a half. I made that mistake when I was first starting. I don't know if you remember Stratford, but somebody, like everybody told me, hey, yeah, I saw that one for like $20,000 cheaper two years ago and it still didn't work then. And so that's what I look at when I'm assessing a deal. So. Yeah, and and if I can give one more piece of advice, uh, piece of advice out there is if you have a big player, I, I know the game in wholesaling is you know find your properties, get your buyer list, and then blast out the emails. There there's some big players out there that are buying high volumes. Like we did 114 or 116 houses last year. Uh, try and get with those people and, and learn what they're looking for. Like learn like hey, because we we've got a very specific mathematical formula that we follow pretty much every time, um, and that that's our numbers. And if the house fits into that, then great. If it doesn't, we move it or we possibly flip it. So in that way, when you have those specific deals, you may not have to hit your entire list. You can just go to your, your one big player and say, hey, look, I got this one that fits your model. Um, take a look at it. And you might be able to save yourself a lot of time and energy. And that's huge, too, because um, you know, right now in the last decade, the market has been going <coughs> one direction. Um, but there'll be times where you know there's going to be a crash or there might be a downturn in the market. and the, those new investors and those investors that pay those high, the higher price points because they're not as savvy or, or experienced are gonna go away or diminish. And it's the big players that are buying in volume, that are buying all the time, that are gonna be around and they're gonna be primed and ready to gobble up as many properties as they can. So you wanna make sure you have those relationships firmly established so that if anything changes with the market, you have a strong, buyers that you can go to regardless. So that, that's a, a, a great point. And the last thing I'll mention on this uh, question is when you're presenting these deals to your buyers, you want to make it as frictionless as possible. So, um, you know, every buyer, like um, Colin was talking about, he's going to run his own numbers. He's going to uh, take a look at the property himself. Talk to these buyers and find out what's all the information that they need to make a proper assessment of the property and try and provide all of that. Yeah. You know, go take as many photos as you, as you can and take photos of like the electrical panels and the AC units and the, the AC unit inside and the condenser unit outside. You know, try and provide, do a video walkthrough of the property, <coughs> include a rehab bid sheet, include your actual comps, not just the number, but the comps you ran uh, in the information packet. The more information you give to the buyer, so that they can do their assessment quicker and more 
streamlined will help them be able to decide whether or not they want to look at it and will increase your chance of uh, trying to sell the deal to them because quite honestly investors like Colin over here have limited time they're getting bombarded with deals and deals deals and if you make it simpler and easier for them to spend less of their valuable time on that deal to be able to properly assess it then you have a higher probability of being able to move the deal to them yeah I, I was in sales for a long time I was a national sales trainer guy the yeses don't hurt people the no's don't hurt people it's the maybes and the maybes slow everybody down so when you're coming through it he's exactly right give it to me and give it to me straight and for the love of God <laughs> use lighting like get a light on your camera because I get so many houses that these pictures on my computer they're just dark and you can tell oh, I think that's a sink and you get over there and you're like oh it's a dead body that's cool oh, okay, you know what cool. I mean I'm like you just just be I mean if it's if it's crap Does a dead crap. body usually come with the house or? yeah sometimes yes. yeah it's a little yeah but my then my point being is like guys if it's crap it's okay some of us aren't scared of crap I'm, I'm if it's trashed fine just take accurate pictures that way I know before I walk out there because that is uh, yeah sorry <laughs> it just drives so take me. A, a flashlight with you while you're take taking a these get, like Put whatever this thing is phone, here yeah. give me that box Kurt whatever this thing is yeah like get one of these <laughs> there this you thing, go I, I can't hardly see that way because of this thing and what did this well, cost you 40 50 bucks see us. yeah I know right what does this thing cost what does this cost? 30 bucks? 30, 30 bucks for one of these guys. Put it on your phone and walk around so we can actually see what you're taking pictures of. Don't send that one drives me insane. I get all these pictures. I can't tell what I'm looking at. There's there's one more point I want to make on that. Uh, what, what's a what's an important point? That's pretty funny, man. Uh, an important point uh, that I've been looking at over the past year and I learned my lesson the hard way is sellability. Um, just because the numbers work doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to sell. So you have to think if you're a wholesaler, you have to think, okay, if I was buying this for myself, uh, how hard or how easy would it be for me to fix it? If you're going to fix and flip it, if it's a flip, you know, okay, if I'm going to fix and flip it, how hard is it going to be or how easy is it going to be for me to sell it to, on the back end to make my money back? Because that's what it is. It's an investment. Got to make my money back. Got to make my profit, all that stuff. Just because the numbers are there doesn't necessarily mean that the house is going to sell easily. So, uh, for example, I had a, I was looking at a house last uh, last year. This was last year. It was a small house. It was like a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, uh, and they were selling it for 29000 right? I did the numbers and everything. ARV was like 115 needed about 45 and work. So the numbers were perfect, right? The numbers were there. They were, But then I went to go look at it, and I looked around, and, the, and even though the numbers were there because of the neighborhood, the neighborhood was starting to come up, the, the street itself almost looked like an alley and then the houses next to it were kind of ugly or well, they were really ugly and there was some there was some uh, some uh, some of my uh, some of my friends hanging out on the corner drinking beer they weren't my friends but they mm -hmm. were, you know, I probably would have joined <laughs> they them became your yeah friends. they became my friends after I after they <laughs> after I was done working beer? after I was done working you want a beer no I'm just kidding but no they were hanging out on the corner you know drinking 40s and stuff like that and I'm like Nobody's gonna want to live here. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not not at that price point. You know, so the sellability is big because you have to look at it like: is it is if I were to buy this? If you're a wholesaler and you think if I were to buy this, would would I be able to sell it? Am I gonna make my money back? What am I gonna be picky about? Am I gonna be picky about the foundation? Don't just be like, well, just buy it. You have money. You know what I mean? Like, just what am I gonna be picky about? And that's 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 a big point that you need to include. Is just not just oh the numbers work. But, you know, if the numbers work, that's great. But are you going to be able to sell it on the back end as an investor? Because if he sees that, yeah, I can totally own her finance this house and, 
and you know uh, use my exit strategy for it and it's just gonna be super easy you're gonna sell it quick but if you're trying to force them to see your numbers and force him to 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 uh, see the potential in it and he's already been doing this and he doesn't see the potential in it it's just gonna be harder to sell so just make sure that there's sellability about the properties I mean like he said they're not there's a lot of people that aren't afraid of junk you know what i mean they see the potential in it that's why we're investors we see the potential we see what we can do with it but if it's not there don't force it just because the numbers work look at the sellability of the of the house or the deal itself so it's a great point i figure that might be what gets a lot of wholesalers out of the business too you end up stuck with all these houses you can't move don't be afraid to walk away from a deal yourself wait i mean i walk away from them a lot it's Sorry, a lot of deal it. it's yeah. a lot of deal unless it makes sense so that question hit home right there. Yeah, I learned that one. I learned that. I learned that one the hard way. I learned. I was like, "What? I don't get it. The numbers make sense. Yeah, but it's kind of a POS. You know what yeah. I mean? So that was that was um, a good one. I yeah. felt like that. We yeah. we changed some lives. You're welcome. Yeah, that's right. Let's get there. Yeah, we even got some light and everything. In I know. Right? That, I'm telling you, that's Amazon Promoting special. Newer <laughs> lighting, whatever that is. Yeah, whatever well, brand that, that is. I can do. Uh, watch this. Go back and look through some of y'all's binders. We're, You're gonna see exactly what I'm talking see, about. We're gonna see some posts <laughs> of people with them now. Yeah. I just put I just put flash on my Snapchat and put the filters. No. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> this so, looks better in sepia tone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Oh, this one serious. looks better in black and white. But one of the cabinets has like a mustache and like a hat <laughs> and stuff. It says downtown San Antonio at the bottom. <laughs> but um, okay, cool. So the next question is our third question. This one's actually coming from Facebook uh, from Mr. Tyrone Haynes. Tyrone. Tyrone. We got you. Shout out. Haynes. We're gonna answer this for you, and you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the answers. So uh, your question was, how can I get some help for me to do my first deal starting with no money? Um, I can actually take that one because I actually man. started with no Rock money. Rock it. Uh, just bug Marco like for 30 <laughs> hours a day. No, I'm just kidding. The so people will do that. Yeah, no. That's all right. You can reach out. It's all good. So yeah, so if you're starting with no money and uh, I'm assuming if you don't have money and you're starting without money, that means that you have never done a deal and you're, you're st kind of starting out, you're still learning, you can read the, you've already read some books. Um, it's like I always say, just reach out to somebody who's already doing it. Uh, you know, I reached out to Marco and, you know, reach out to somebody who's willing to teach you. And, and, and maybe they might even have some deals that, hey, you've already built a buyer's list and you just don't have any inventory. And they might have something that you can that you can help them move. Um, but what I would do is, is a great way to start is, and I've mentioned this before, is uh, piggybacking. You know, just find another wholesaler or find somebody who's got a got some inventory and kind of knows the business, knows what they're doing, and is already actively doing it. And then just ask ask if they're willing to teach you. Ask them for advice. Um, you know, maybe maybe steal some of their inventory. You know, take some of it. Not steal it, but like don't snake deals. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Steal don't that. don't snake deals. But you know, just like like just say, hey, what do you got going on? And then and then you know, see if you can help them. Juan move annoyed it. me at the beginning. He was like, hey, man, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? How, how can I help? What do I got to do? Dude, I was like, so yeah. funny. go do this, I guess. Leave me alone, man. Leave, <laughs> Leave me, me alone. alone. Okay, but when I do that, then what? <laughs> no, but no, it's funny you say that because actually, um, if I can't, this is probably a longer answer than you want, but I, I've got Eric Sangerhausen, my, one of my partners. There's me, Eric, and Mike. Eric Sangerhausen and I actually, uh, we actually went to high school together. And we ran in different circles. We didn't really hang out, you know what I mean? But we knew each other. First from Seguin, Texas. It's not that big of a town. But you, uh, you were cooler than he was. Uh, no, I think he was probably. Oh, really? I'll, I'll got to be honest. I don't. But <laughs> I kept my. Hair, I don't believe. So. I don't believe <laughs> not even a little bit. No, no I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, but we just ran in different circles. You know, it was yeah. just kind of a different thing. And uh, so anyway, fast forward 15 years after high school, Eric and I were actually living um, about 
three miles apart from each other and had no clue. Oh, wow. Uh, out in a little town called McQueenie, Texas. And the funny okay. thing was is one day I went to go buy some tacos in this little strip center taco joint. And he go in there and I see this card, Alien Realty, Roz Buys Houses. And it was like a gimmick to yeah, wholesale, yeah. you know, you're sure, just sure. always looking for houses, right? And I see Eric Sanger House. I mean, how many Eric Sanger Housings do you know, right? I pick it That's up. That's true. And this was about the time where I was like, I want to get involved in real estate. And same thing. Like, I'm... Right. I call him and dude, he blew me off. It was great. He's like, yeah, well, I'm busy and I don't have a click. And my wife was like, what happened? I was like, nothing. Nothing happened at all. <laughs> nothing at all. But, Excuse uh, me while I go cry. But that's when this book came out. About a year or two later, he came out with this book. And when I saw the book, I was like, that's it. He's going to talk to me. He's going to be my friend whether he right, likes it or right. not. And uh, that's, that's tenacity. There you go. Dude, yeah, and you got to stay with it. But with that being said, uh, to your point, is you got to reach out. Definitely reach out. But you need to bring something to the table as well. Uh, sometimes it's just flat out hustle. What can I do for you? How can I, I, can I, that's how Eric and I started. I was like, Eric, can I just get in the car? Just, can I sit in the car with you and I, I'll, I'll hold your lunchbox and feed you as we go. You know, just like, well, you got to bring some. Yeah, right. Ooh, you're, you're, you're <laughs> investing hard. Let Here, me let me <laughs> you off. <laughs> you're investing hard. <laughs> Look at, keep going. Look at you investing super hard. Somebody wipe Keep going, keep going. Yeah. No, but just get in the car to learn, right? And so it started off where maybe what I was bringing to the table was just some company, you know? Right. And this goes on for a long time. And the next thing you know, hey, I need some help with this. Can you do this? You know, bring something to the table. And then how do you get started with no money? Start following somebody. Um, I got to be honest right now. Eric has never given me a dime to do a single deal ever. Uh, he's given me a lot of information to do deals. Uh, one of the things is if you go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash stop flipping, we got a whole bit that's about to come out. Um, hopefully it'll be out uh, probably not by the time this airs, but um, we, we had to find a $50 house. Like we literally shot an entire thing because we're tired of hearing people saying that. So we figured out how to do it with 50 bucks and it's a wholesale deal. We're just doing a contract assignment under a 20 day option. It's pretty simple, straightforward, but a lot of people don't know how to do that, but I didn't either until I talked to Eric, right? So he gave me the ideas for that. Guys, you can borrow money from people. You can do, if your credit's good, you can do uh, hard money loans. There's, there's a myriad of ways to get started with this, but probably your best thing to your point is to, to hit your wagon to a star that's already doing this Pay attention as much as you can because if you do get some private money or if you do use your own money or you do a hard money loan and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose it and then some. Yeah. So make sure you find somebody, pay attention to what they're doing and be helpful. Find a way to help. You know what? I'll put your bandit signs out for you. How do you do it? Where do I put bandit signs? Right? And go do bandit signs nonstop. That, that's huge. You basically have to do an assessment of what you can bring to the table and maybe you don't have money but you have the time. Maybe you don't have the experience, but maybe you have that time. So uh, what are the things that they don't want to do? Like you were mentioning, maybe you can put out signs for somebody else. Bird dogging is a wonderful way to kind of partner for somebody. Yep. And it's a way to learn the business so that you can uh, eventually start doing your own deals, those type of things. And if you really want it, just you know, dive into it. Learn as much as you can. Go get this book. Go to the websites. Go to YouTube. You know, learn how to do these things and then take the action and uh, eventually you'll fail your way into success and, and get some momentum and once oh. you get that one deal, things will start happening. It's a great line. You, you got to fail forward, right? You're yeah. going you're gonna to screw your first one up. And if you don't even know how to wholesale, we got it in this book. You can get it for free. Just pay the shipping and handling. We'll have a link at the bottom of it. We do have a little chapter in wholesaling to get started because we get that question a lot. Guys, you can do this. No money. I'm tired of all the gurus that are like, you can do this. No money down. And they all take the exact same thing. But give me your money first. But give me your money first. I'm going to tell you right now. Go wholesale a house. There you go. Get this book right here. Pay shipping and handling and have it for free. Yeah, yeah that's big, guys. Um, you know, the two of the main things that both of these guys touched on was... Uh, you know, he talked about paying attention. When you latch on somebody, pay attention and take the information and learn the information. 
and something that Marco touched on was take action. A lot of people, I, one of the phrases I can't stand is knowledge is power. And I can't stand that because it's, knowledge is empowered. There, you could be the smartest person in the world, but if you're not doing anything with it, you're not you're not doing anything with it. It's simple. Like you're just uh, you're just uh, having applied knowledge is power. There you go. Um, you know you, you Juan Busto says Juan applied says. knowledge is power. Yeah, Confucius, Confucius could take a lesson yeah. from me, huh? No, <laughs> but <laughs> Michael Scott. Yeah, you might Confucius. see that in your uh, fortune. <laughs> in your fortune cookie. Up. Last time I got a I got a fortune cookie. It didn't have a fortune. Oh, at man. all whatsoever. What is that yeah. saying to you, man? I, I was a Bad super unfortunate I was in Austin the other day, and I got one that said, you will die tomorrow. Are you it, serious? Yeah, it was like the greatest <laughs> one ever, because I always feel like it's some terrible or some crap. And I'm like, I want a fortune. Like, you're going to... And I was yeah. like, you will die tomorrow. And I loved it. I laughed. That's I got it in the house, yeah. No, that crazy. That's, that's, that's Did you take a photo of that? Yeah, I've got it somewhere. Yeah, yeah the fortune cookie lied to me. I mean, I'm still here. Robin always makes the same joke. Every time she opens up a fortune cookie, on the back, it says, how about another fortune? Like, where you can go and get more fortune cookies. Yeah, she was yeah. like, how about another fortune? I was like, yes, you've been saying that for seven years. It's, <laughs> it's still funny, though. But, um, yeah, I, you know, you got you to gotta apply that knowledge. You got to apply that. And bring and when you bring value to somebody who is already doing it and, and, and you're saying, hey, I can help you out with this or I can help you out with that. And, and I'll tell you what, if you walk me through this deal, you know, I'll break you off some, you know, I'll break you off a piece of the deal and, you know, we'll split it or whatever it is. But um, it's it's super easy. I came here to San Antonio a few years ago, and I had no money, no money. I had some clothes, and that's it. That's all I had. And they and, were pretty um, raggedy. Yeah, they were pretty raggedy, dude. They were they were bad. I hadn't bought myself clothes in like years. But um, even my nice clothes was pretty raggedy. Like, but uh, you know, I, I I came here and I started with you know I started with no money, and I, I had nothing. I had really had nothing going for me. But I said I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna take the dive. And I did little things to stay afloat. You know, I donated. I went to garage sales and sold some of that stuff. Uh, I had little, you know, little odd jobs here and there, little sales gigs here and there, and just to stay afloat until my first deal popped, and then my second deal popped, and my third deal popped, and I just, and then I just kept going and kept going and kept going, and now there's there's really no turning back, which I'm totally okay with. So. Yeah. Now we can't get rid of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, you couldn't. You couldn't <laughs> fire me if you tried. I'll be waiting outside the window looking. <laughs> What's Aaron working on? <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I liked it. That was pretty solid. Yeah, so solid. Tyrone, there's your answer, man. There you you can go. totally do this without money. Don't worry about it. Just send us a, a photo take of your the first action. deal, man. Definitely. Yeah, go find the house. Take a picture in front of it. Get moving. And if you need any help, reach out to us. If you need any help, you're not sure what to do, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Cool. So let's let's end the, the episode with a fun question. This, so is, a fun this is my question. favorite part of the episode. The fun <laughs> yeah, question. He gets excited for this. Yeah, I love the fun question. It's always interesting. It's always it's always you get to learn a little bit more about who's on the show. I really enjoyed the last one we had about our teachers and stuff. So actually, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I tagged the, one of the teachers I was speaking about on the last question, mm -hmm. and uh, she was like super enthused, and she messaged me on Facebook. She's like, hey. I really like that. Thanks. I didn't know I influenced you that much. And no, really. To That's be honest, awesome. I didn't really like you that much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, you know, she she said it was. She said she enjoyed it. She she enjoyed we watching. We talked the about episode. our favorite teachers on like yeah. two episodes. Oh back man, so I could and, do that for hours. And, and I talked and I tagged my. Well, you're a teacher. I used yeah. yeah. You're like my favorite teacher is me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you teach? I was a band director. You were a band oh, director. I was a middle school okay. band director. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Five years. That's, what was the instrument you played? My principal was trombone. But uh, my degree was in all things low brass, so trombone, baritone, tuba. But the weird thing is, is uh, the only instrument I've ever been televised playing was a Barry sax. So I can play just about anything. But yeah, so it's kind of weird. Like yeah, and yeah. interesting. 
That's not even close uh, on like uh, fingerings or anything. No, once you get kind of get the hang of it, I mean, it's just it's a pretty transferable. I mean, you know, I'm not particularly good at oboe or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but I mean, I can play it. Huh. Play the electric triangle. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So the the fun question is, uh, what's your favorite scary movie? My favorite or the one that scared me the most? Because mm, the one that scared me the most, I gotta tell you, scared the most. The, yeah, dude, the, the one, one that scared you the most. The one that flat out scared the shit out of me. I can I don't know if I can go on this, but God, it terrified me. I'm gonna get goosebumps just thinking about it. Was Signs, Signs of all right? things? Yeah. yeah, and and I think the reason why, like I've I've had a lot of I time, liked that movie. That movie's been what is it? 15 years old, probably by yeah, now. Yeah. Like I have I have watched the secrets and the behind the scenes and all this stuff to try yeah. and get over it, and I'm still not over it because. Um, yeah, that movie scared the crap out of me. I will never forget, seriously, uh, I grew up in Seguin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And my buddy wanted to come into San Antonio. So it's a, for those of y'all that don't know, it's probably about a 45-minute drive to get into San Antonio. But it's all country, cow pasture, nothing between. And so we came here, and we watched, like, the 11 o'clock showing, and we watched this movie. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who lived out in a ranch out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm look at this. I'm seriously getting goosebumps <laughs> talking about this right now. Like, the, the fact that it was an alien doesn't bother me. I don't care. The alien doesn't scare me. But it was that crap where the... And they were like yeah. running through the cornfield because there was cornfields everywhere. And I'm like, I saw that exact same thing when I was nine. I know what he's talking about. So like, like all this like regressive, like just all this pin up thing. I was freaking. It all makes sense. But I was sitting here. I was um, I was in college, I think, at the time. And my buddy Lon came with me. He's like, you got to see this movie. It's great. I'm sitting in there just like white knuckle on the thing, freaking out. Wow. They show it's an alien. Aliens don't scare me. Once I saw the alien, but all that stuff that leads up to it freaked yeah. me out. And I'll never forget. So we had to drive back home. I rode with him. I got my truck, and we, like I parked somewhere, and it was like a dark parking lot. And I remember I got in the truck, and somebody had bumped my rearview mirror, my side view mirror, mm -hmm. and all I could see was behind me, uh -huh. uh, like not behind the car, but like behind me to the right. So as I'm driving home, I had to drive through fields, like cornfields, <laughs> like legit cornfields, and I, all I could see is the corn behind me. <laughs> As I'm looking over, like I'm look at this. I'm getting yeah. like next thing you know, I'm going 120 miles an hour wow. through the cornfield. Like, like, it's chasing me. I got back to the house. I forgot my key. I had to break into the window. And <laughs> this like, was not a good day for no, you. No, it was summer. It was summertime, and because I'm from Seguin, I went to college in Seguin, so I was crashing at my parents' house again. <laughs> this is a true story. I, I go to get back in the house, and I forgot my key. And you do not ring the doorbell and wake my mother up at midnight. Like yeah, she, yeah. like there's nothing. Like I don't care. Let the aliens eat me. I'm fine. <laughs> like, like do not wake my mother up. I'll so just I, go with you guys. So I'm just like I'll go. I'll just go, go, you I'll just go with the aliens. Yeah, you don't have to like knock me out or anything. I'll just get on. But no. So I went to get in the house, and I, there was a shrub in front of my room. So I had to like go around the shrub, and I mean there's a like this much room, and I'm like looking. I jump in through the window. The the shrub caught my shoe. <laughs> I You're like it's an alien. I scream like Let a five-year-old girl. Go I, me. I'm 20, whatever. I scream like a five-year-old girl. I flip around. I slam the door shut. There's like branches and all this stuff coming in. All of a sudden, the whole light turns on, and I'm like, "What?" And I'm literally laying on the ground, cold sweat, leaves everywhere. And my mom opens the door. Are you okay? And I was like, I was like fight or flight. Like I thought it was. She had a robe on the whole thing, yeah, yeah. and I'm like. I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. So signs, signs, signs. scared the absolute crap out of there me. There you go. Um, yeah, and I still, I'm serious to this that day. That was one you should have watched DVD at home. But here's what's so funny. I still, with all the lights like on. Like I don't. Yeah. I still, for some reason, it's not the alien part. Like it's stupid. I can sting and spray you with the thing. Nobody cares. But it like the the unknown in the cornfield. Like I've watched, like I said, the the remakes and the behind the scenes and all that stuff. And still, that first half of that movie scares the crap out of me. I don't know why. 
Okay. I remember I saw that movie in the theaters, and I remember that um, scene where they're like in the basement or something, and then you see like the hands there in, in the shot, and then they talk or whatever, and then they go back to her, and then the hand like grabs her. And I remember in the theater, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" Everyone was like losing their shit, and that made me laugh so much. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm freaking like I yeah, literally have I'm goosebumps. Really Do you see alien this? Movies, like, it's not the alien. alien. It wasn't like, the alien. It was the how they did it. The speaking up, the yeah, that the suspense did. Okay. I mean, so it was well written, is what it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like I mean, M Night Shyamalan. I feel like all his movies are very anticlimactic. They're scary up until they reveal what it is. Yeah. Oh, the trees are killing you. Oh, it's an alien. <laughs> Remember that one? Was, yeah, like, but up to it, you're like, why are these people jumping the off trees? buildings? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what movie you're talking about. I don't remember what movie like, that was, but like uh, the first half of the movie is great. The happening. Then he, then he the happening. Yeah, yeah, that was. yeah, I saw that and I was, I was tripped out. I was like, so is the tree. I don't get but it. But when the tree, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, fine. And then, okay, like, because so the, the, the stupid part about that, what, what that was, I think that one was anti government because there's nothing you could do about it at yeah, all. The tree's just going to kill you. Yeah, you're going to just move to the desert. I don't know. Go to the ocean. What about you, Marco? Um, honestly, when it comes to scary movies, I'm not a big fan of scary movies. Because always, I'm always like, oh, that wasn't scary or whatever. But when I was younger, uh, the movie that scared me a lot was Gremlins. When I was, <laughs> Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins, man. So I was no like, water after midnight. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> I was like freaked out with Gremlins. I was like, man, I can't, can't watch that anymore. Or I would like fast forward through uh, uh, different parts when I was younger. Gremlins, man. I was like, don't. What was it? It was food, right? No don't food after. It. Don't do it. No. But when can you start feeding them? I remember even oh, like true, every like every like, day is it midnight to seven a.m. So yeah. like, what's after midnight? Yeah, don't that's feed true. them after. It's, it's a loophole. It's yeah, a loophole. it's a loophole. It's a, but I remember even as a, a plot kid because I guess we're about the same age. Like I remember thinking, but when can they start? Like when's breakfast? Maybe I'm just a fat kid. Maybe. I'm like I need breakfast. <laughs> like I don't mind cutting out. You were too logical. You were like, I, wait I was a second. What are all the rules again? Repeat it one more time. Just just let me write this down. But child's play back in the day. That one when I was a kid. That one freaked me out. That was a good one. I, I what was it about the Gremlins that scared you the most? I don't know. The girl one. The girl one. Do you remember the female Gremlin? Was that the first one? Looked like cross dressing Yoda looking thing. Yeah, I can't remember. See, I didn't really watch it consistently to remember everything because I didn't. I was like, it's a cult classic, man. Yeah, it is. Now I watched it when you know, as you get older, you're like, what was I afraid of? There's like nothing going on. I mean, and like. They, and you can totally tell, like, you know, how fake they are when you look at the 80s and 70s films, you know, and it's like, it's just like, it was just like poof of hair and like nothingness, and that freaked you out, but when I was young, man, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. I never Start saw that movie as a scary movie. I never saw that movie as a scary movie. Um, I well, what kind of movie is it? Isn't it I mean, a scary it's movie? supposed to be a scary yeah. I just didn't see it. I saw it more comical than anything. Yeah. Well, I, that's my problem with scary movies now. Is like I'm like, first off, I get annoyed with like all the dumb decisions that are like constantly throughout scary movies. Yeah. That just annoys the hell out of me. But then I just find it more funny than than scary. Like I laugh at. Yeah, you're like, pretty mellow. I, yeah, yeah, temperament. I could see you just being. Are like, you're probably yeah. thinking about like slasher movies where they they're like, oh, did you hear that noise? Like in the wood? sounds like somebody's being murdered. Let's, Let's go, go check, check it out. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, Billy. Yeah, exactly. Bring your wheelchair. I you saw. Like I recently slow? saw a movie called Tucker and Dale versus Evil, <laughs> and it's it's just making fun of of all those like all those dumb teenage kids that don't know what they're doing. They end up like throughout the entire movie, Tucker and Dale. They're supposed to be the the. The teenage kids are viewing them as the bad guys, uh, as the murderers, but they're not. All these kids are accidentally killing themselves. They never actually kill anybody. <laughs> they just accidentally kill themselves, and they come off as creepy because because they're like hillbillies in the woods or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like uh, the hills have eyes or something like that. 
But um, my I I watched a lot of scary movies. I'm really into scary movies. That's like, one of your favorites, isn't it? Which one? Scary movie genre. Yeah, it's it is my favorite. Yeah, so I I, I like all different kinds of scary movies. My favorite type of scary movie is uh, like. Um, Supernatural horror. I don't like slasher. I, I do like slasher films and all that stuff, but supernatural horror. So the ones that scared me the most were were movies like uh, it's actually a tie between. Oh, dang, you yeah, got a tie. I've got a top three and top it's three tie. Oh, <laughs> so it's this is an aficionado. It's, it's it's Insidious. The Insidious. Are we movies? gonna have to break out a whiteboard? Here? Yeah. Okay. So Insidious because <laughs> you of this plot. got a Rotten Tomato meter, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, the Insidious movies. Scared the crap out of me. I don't think I've seen one. Those are super scary because they they actually they they actually don't touch on ghosts. They actually touch on um, out of body experiences and uh, being able to travel into other realities uh, as you know yourself, your spirit, or whatever. So it it touches on something different than most scary movies. Um, Then the Conjuring because that's actually based on those are actually based on a true story. Like wait, which one was that? Isn't that the one where she hangs herself or something? Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. Was it the Japanese house? No, that's uh, the grudge. No. That's the oh yeah, the grudge. The, the the Conjuring is about Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're 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 ghost hunters. They're demonologists or whatever you want to call them. They've uh, call pr- them they've helped they've helped uh, they've helped out with <laughs> a lot of exorcisms and things like that. So they they it's based on true true accounts, right? Wouldn't it, like the house was like back in the eighteen hundreds? The woman like hung herself in yeah, the back. Yeah, exactly. Like she the, the, the DVD covers. She, like, like, I'm not a something. supernatural guy, but like, I'm into that stuff. <laughs> like, get out. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm out of here. Gotta go. Like, Bye. I'm not gonna sit there and go like banging in a pot and pan looking. Yeah, and then between those two and this movie that came out, it was straight to Netflix. It was called Grave Encounters. Grave, grave encounters. Grave encounters. So what it was See, I'm, was I'm it was zero on this, what yeah. it was. It was a documentary. Uh, it was footage of this guy who had a ghost hunting show way before Ghost Hunters and all those shows supposedly. Uh-huh. And this guy was like way ahead of his time when it came to those shows, and he was recording. And then they got the. So is footage. this part real that you're discussing, or is it? There oh, was. Okay. There's no. I mean, it's supposed to be fake, but there's no. Sure, sure. There's no. They don't say oh special effects or anything like that at the end. No credits or nothing. It's just supposedly just raw footage of this guy filming a ghost hunting show, mm-hmm. and then it turns out to end up like. Like they get the footage and it's like it's a bunch of crazy stuff that starts happening huh. throughout the night. Like they're there for like they're like man, we've been here for forty eight hours. How have we been here for two three days already? And and we're supposed to get let out at dawn and the sun never comes up. And they're in this haunted asylum and it's super. It's not on Netflix anymore, but it's it's scared, it's scared the living daylights people. out of me. Like it's scared it's, yeah, it really did because at the guy the guy in the beginning is just like yeah, this is all just raw footage. It's only been edited for time purposes, but this is there's nothing. And then at the end, I there's no, get under my there's no, there's no like, oh, special effects makeup or producer or anything. It just ends, and that's it. Oh, no credits. It. No credits. No nothing. Ah, they just leave it like this is just raw footage. Here, watch like the Blair Witch ah, Project. No. Oh project. yeah, that would okay. Yeah, yeah that kind of freaked me out. So I was like, well, what? It. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what happened? So I started googling it, and then then there was a Grave Encounters two where they did a sequel, a follow up, like. Hey, is this uh you know? Uh, follow you just this ruined my whole weekend because yeah. now because I, I haven't seen any of these movies. <coughs> well, my wife's gra- gonna hate you, by well, the way. Now you got homework. Yeah, right. No, well, Grave Encounters, I can't find it anymore. You might have to like look online. Like you might have to really look for it because it's not on Netflix anymore. Yeah, so not that any of us have the Cody app or anything. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, those are the three movies that scared me because they were they were they were more supernatural. They were they weren't like slasher film like. 
Freddy and Jason and all them. They don't scare yeah. me. It's just like, so okay, now gross. I'm curious about what your favorite scary movie is. Yeah, let us yeah, know. Or, not, or slash which scary movie scared you the most. That would be another good story. Yeah, yeah which one really good. got under your skin? That's what I want to know. Like, what really got under your skin? And why? And why? Inbox us. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, that was awesome episode. I think we rocked it. I think we spent the most time on the scary movies. But yeah. That was, that was uh, that's important. That's Come on, man. That, that is important. Yeah, it gets you to know who we're sitting with. Yeah, we yeah. gotta get gotta get behind the curtain here. So make sure to reach out to Colin. You can find him where one more time? Stopflipping.com, guys. Uh, you can get a free copy of our book. We're gonna put the link in, in the notes below. Stopflipping.com. Come check us out. We're gonna teach you how to own a finance. And thank you for watching this episode. See y'all next you. time. You're a career as a businessman or woman is contingent to you becoming an expert negotiator. Negotiation is tied to profit. It's tied to deals, it's tied to speed, it's tied to uh, being able to massively and expansively grow. I hope you guys enjoy the videos. I hope you guys enjoy the training. I hope you, you drive value. And if anything, I, I hope you, you decide to make a decision now to spend time and energy and money and resources into becoming expert negotiators.